Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. I, Lisa, am your host this week, and we're very excited to have you back. We have what we think will be a fun episode today, all about there being no dumb questions about craft beer. We're going to talk about all kinds of things that have come up on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, on TikTok, and even just in conversations we've had with people. And we're really excited to share some of these questions and answers. And I think some are really, really fascinating. But before we get into that, we want to make sure that you all are continuing to like, subscribe, share. We are at Beer Ladies Pod on most of the socials. Uh, and I think, Tandy, we may also show off your uh, TikTok uh, in the show notes, too, <laughs> in case people are not subscribed, because I think we got some really good questions from that. But before we dive in, I want to say I have Katie and Tandy here this week, and I want to find out what they are drinking. So, Katie, let's start with you. I am drinking fruit. Kolsch, which is a lovely beer for a Sunday, I think. And uh, of yeah. course, a Kolsch is a beer that's brewed in Cologne in Germany. So uh, if you're not from Cologne in Germany, I, I believe you have, you have to say it's a Kolsch style rather than a oh, Kolsch. Very good. So is that a true? Is that, is that a stupid question about craft beer? Not at all a stupid question. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very good question, though, about, yeah, it does it count as a, uh, uh, what's the word, protected... Um, Appellation. Yeah. 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 Oh, see, we're diving in already. And Tandy, how yeah. about yourself? What have you got? <laughs> so I've gone completely the opposite end of where you went, Katie. I've got a, <laughs> a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout from, oh, wow. <laughs> from Wicklow Wolf. So I'm doing Pointy Shoes 2021. Um, I'm just showing the camera there. And what was really nice was that I got it in a box with the 2020 version. So you could, oh. if you were fancy, you could do a vertical tasting. But actually, I bought it for this glass. So <laughs> <there it is. laughs> matching glassware for once, it makes me very happy. And I, like, I don't know how I feel about Imperial Stouts recently. Like lately, they're just too much for me. But why not? It's a Sunday and I've got nothing better to do. So let's drink a, let's drink a big one. Yeah, I feel uh, like I like okay. one every now and again, but I mm. they wouldn't be my go-to. Mm. Same. Yeah, mm -hmm. every now and again, or especially as a dessert, you know, lovely thing. But I, I yeah, too many is 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 too many. Yeah. But uh, but I think we'll we'll get into that. And uh, for myself, I have the Lineman uh, Nagelbet, uh, which is a cold black IPA. So for people who get very annoyed about new kinds of IPAs that may or may not exist. We, we will come into this later in the discussion. <laughs> Tandy is, is making some yes me uh, faces <laughs> for those of you who are, are not uh, able to watch, but I always love a black IPA. So excited about this. And uh, mm. we'll get into the cold a, a little bit later, I think. But I, I think it's a really good segue to dive into mm. some of the questions. And we talked earlier, we're gonna kind of pass around some of these questions and just share the different answers uh, that we have come up with. Um, but I'm going to leave the cold IPA one for, for a little bit. I think the one I'm going to start with is, is one of the ones that, that Tandy was able to find on TikTok. Uh, and this is, do craft beers really contain less gluten than big non-crafty brands? And I, there's a lot to unpack there. So I know, Tandy, why don't you take it away? Because I know you've done a little bit of research. Fabulous. 
Okay, so this, this one came from my friend Ashley, and she has a sensitivity to gluten. Um, and so she, 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 she and I have spoken many times about different beers that you might have or not have as a person who's sensitive to gluten. Now, as far as I know, she's not celiac, um, mm. but she has got a sensitivity. So that's why she's fairly concerned about the gluten content. Now, when I got the question, initially I thought, well, I don't know where the perception that craft beer would contain less gluten came from yeah because i i've never heard that before um so but 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 fair enough like i just went and di like dived in a little bit to see like what the story is anyway now here's the thing about gluten there are there are two ways to brew a gluten-free beer the one is to not use grains that contain gluten. Mm. And that, by the way, is the only way to ensure that it is actually gluten-free. Um, so those so sorts of grains are rice, millet, sorghum. There's a few others, but those are the most well-known ones. And I mean, if you'll listen back a few episodes, Jesse from Queza was talking mm. about brewing with, um, with sorghum because yeah. it's a, a well-known and well-used ingredient in different African countries brewing. So... So if, if you happen to find beers um, with rice, millet, sorghum as their, as their ingredient set, then you're onto a winner. But most of the time, people are not doing that. Most of the time, brewers are using an enzyme that breaks down the gluten, which is just a protein, um, and, but they break it down into small enough parts that they're not supposed to affect you in the same way. But what you'll see is that even if a, a beer is labeled gluten-free, there's generally still a warning of gluten as an allergy. It's because you can't, you can't completely denature the gluten. You're just breaking it down into tiny, tiny, tiny bits. It almost deactivates it. But, mm. you, know, you know, that's the sort of layman's, um, I guess, way of saying it. There are, however, sorry, Katie, I know you want to speak there. There are, <laughs> however, better or worse beers for you if you are gluten intolerant. So the absolute worst beer that you can drink as, a, as someone who doesn't enjoy gluten or can't handle it is anything with wheat. So wheat beers mm. are your absolute worst. No vice beers for you. Not many saisons, I'm afraid. You know, there, there's, there's gonna be a lot of styles and I'd be very careful because a lot of people, even with New England IPAs, tend to use a bit of wheat um, in the beers. So be very careful of wheat. That being said, Things like lagers, um, IPAs, even stouts, they don't always contain the right levels of any grain to really trigger it as badly as what something like a wheat beer would do. So if you can find a gluten-free beer, do it. Be careful with it still. But it's not, um, it's not a thing between commercial and craft. It comes down to the ingredients. And the other last final point on this one was that... Um, in commercial breweries where it's typically lagers, you know, if we're talking about our Heineken's and Carlsberg's and things, um, there is a large part of the grain bill that is not made up of just barley. So mm. often it's made up with corn or with rice. And what that does is it thins the body. Um, and it also has the secondary effect of not having as much gluten in it. So you're almost more you're almost more on the safe side to stick with the commercial macro lagers than what you are with a craft lager. Because generally in craft brewers or breweries, you're looking at barley as 100% of your, of your malt bill, as opposed to using rice or corn. Some people will add oats, but that doesn't help the gluten content. So there is that. Yeah, so oh, my so question on that was the enzyme that the brewers add, that wasn't specifically right to reduce gluten. It happened to be a byproduct of they added the enzyme for other reasons, I think, to like clarify the beer to reduce haziness. And it was like, oh, look, the side effect is that uh, it's it, it affects people who have gluten intolerances less. So it wasn't like it was done on purpose, which I kind of found that was really interesting today that, i learned yeah I, and actually i do know of a brewery uh sadly a brewery that's no longer with us but a brewery uh that we used to really enjoy in seattle where they essentially started making gluten-free or maybe we'll say low gluten beers because you know probably not 100 percent mm. gluten-free but just as their normal beers they weren't branding them as that but it had turned out that whatever they were doing in their process 
made them effectively gluten-free, but you know, to the mm-hmm. point where people, like you say, who aren't allergic, but maybe who have just a bit of an intolerance were able to drink them. But, it, but again, it was, I think that may have been exactly what happened there was that whatever they started doing, they were like, oh, hey, this works, doesn't change the flavor. And so you had their, almost their whole range of beers uh, turned out that way. But, but I think also, I think Tandy absolutely right there to say they didn't do a lot of wheat beers. They didn't do a lot of kind of hazy things. So that, that all fits that as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so some people are doing it without without meaning to so happy yeah. accidents yeah. exactly happy accidents. and happy there accident. are there are some breweries that focus on gluten-free beers but not many and oh. ashley my friend who asked this is in the uk and to be honest i don't know of any specifically in the uk but i bet there are the uk is a big enough market there, there must be some because we have at least well we i can think of the one is there more than the one here that because we have we have um uh nine white deer nine white deer yes thank you katie nine white deer here and those those are lovely beers so i wonder they, if there are there must be others in they're fabulous beers i know larkins have a gluten-free beer but i don't know if on the label it's it's mm. properly gluten-free or it's accidentally mm. gluten-free you know what i mean right. <laughs> yeah. yeah now that we've discovered that's you know a possibility to be surprised mm-hmm. you know wickler wolf also They've got a they've got a, a gluten free lager I think, but again it may be it may be gluten free by design or it may be by accident or it may just yeah. be low gluten so just be careful, you know just be careful with the labels yeah. and if you are sensitive, by far the best style is lager so, regardless of whether it's craft or commercial, you that's your best bet anyway. Yeah, good good pro tips, excellent. Good stuff, Tandy. Katie, do you want to go ahead and uh, dive in with the question and we'll see what kind of uh, answers we've got for it? Okay, let me get the list up. Oh, this is one that I don't really know the answer to, so I'm hoping you guys do. (laughs) So this was another question on Tandy's TikTok and it was stuck fermentation, (laughs) how to kickstart. Sometimes nothing works. Mm. Right, so this question came to me through I think it was actually Instagram but TikTok same thing because because I I cross posted but it came from Claire and Claire told me a story afterwards I chatted to her a little bit about it she said to me that she was making a stout and it just stuck like it just didn't go anywhere and for those who are not home brewers what what that means is that your yeast has effectively stopped working it's not really producing any more alcohol and CO2. It's like eaten as much as it can do. So often if you if you if your fermentation is stuck and you can't get it going, what you'll get at the end of it is a much sweeter beer mm. that is less alcoholic. So not quite the balance that you'll have been looking for um, going in. And she said that in the end, it's funny because I, I think this is very pragmatic, but she said in the end they bottled it and called it a table start. like what what a great concept um it stuck at at 3.8 percent instead of 4.5 um and she tried all the different things and i think it's useful to go through what the different things are that you can do so with a stuck fermentation the first one is to make sure that you've actually done a reading at the beginning of your fermentation so what, what comes out often, and this is not to Claire, Claire's um, case um, is, is completely separate, but what often happens is that people don't really measure their beer before putting it into the fermenter and letting it go. And if, you're, if your efficiency during brewing was slightly under or slightly over, uh, it can affect your perception of whether your fermentation is stuck, which leads on to the second thing, your airlock is not the indicator of whether fermentation is happening. And people, okay. people get very panicky in the homebrew communities about not seeing activity. Yeah, when it's not going bloop, bloop, mm-hmm. bloop. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just makes you feel good to see that. Absolutely. It does. It makes you feel good to see it, but it doesn't mean that the yeast isn't at work. The only reliable way to know whether your, your beer is fermenting is to be taking gravity readings at different times so let's say a couple of days in if it's not visibly um, fermenting um, or a weekend and then you can adjust from there um, but let's say everything has been done correctly as in you've got the correct OG going in that's your original gravity you've got the right temperature because that's a really big one and um, yeast specifically ale yeasts like different kinds of temperatures 
tend to be warmer. And the biggest advice you can give to someone with a stuck fermentation is to warm your, your beer up. Mm. That's, that, that's absolutely the biggest one. Often, yeast just goes a bit dormant when it feels too cold. And you, unless you're measuring really accurately what your temperature is, you won't always know. You know, your house might feel warm, but then it's only at 18 degrees. Whereas your ale yeast, some of them like to be up above 22. And four degrees can make a really big difference. Even two degrees can make a very big difference. So the first, the first bit of advice is check your temperature. And when in doubt, warm it up. And then the second is to, you can't, you can't always prevent it, but to potentially pitch some more healthy yeast. There's, there's ways to do this. So you might um, get another sachet if you're using a dried yeast or a liquid yeast, get another liquid yeast and sort of toss it right in there, sanitize everything to give it more sort of activity. So you might do that. Um, you might even... Before doing that, what you could do is rack off your beer into another into another container, another demijohn or another bucket that has got a healthy yeast starter or, or a bit of healthy yeast in it. Because what sometimes can happen is that your yeast has worked as hard as it can. Maybe that packet was a little bit of a dud. These things mm. happen. So you might want to just get it off of that old yeast at the risk of not adding too much oxygen to your beer, but get it off the old yeast, pitch some new yeast, keep it warm and rouse it a little bit. Now, people, people will go, ah, Tandy's oxygen in beer. Don't, don't tell people this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is um, to get the yeast to go, sometimes you need to get it back in the suspension. So some yeasts like to flocculate very well. So especially English ale yeasts, they tend to grab onto stuff. That's the proteins and everything in the beer. And then they drop right to the bottom. And that's great but it means that the yeast is sometimes pushed down to the bottom and, and it doesn't have a lot of stuff to do down there. So get it, get it back in suspension, warm up your beer, add some more yeast, if anything. And at the last resort, you can add things like some more sugar because sometimes, sometimes adding something like a simple sugar can wake your yeast up to add, to eat the more complex sugars that your beer has produced. So those, those are probably the things. Now, I did laugh at Claire because she said that she tried everything <laughs> and it just didn't work. So she bottled it and, and made it so. And you know what? That's also fine. Like yeah. brewing is a... That's, that's not a bad last resort. If you're like, this is a table stout. Hey, you know, we, we are all creating new styles every day. All good. There it is. And I thought uh, the idea of a table stout is actually very funny. Yeah, very funny. Exactly. All, all the beer nerds are like, I see what you did there. That's yes. great. Yeah. Oh, Very excellent. Cute. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to dive in with another question I thought was so interesting um, and that I have opinions about with a big capital O. Uh, <laughs> so this was from Ben Park, who's uh, at Ben Dovage on Twitter. And he said, why do most Irish breweries not include the city town they're from on their merch? As a tourist, I love bragging that I visited somewhere by wearing something from the area, something obvious, somewhere obvious like Galway Bay, but others not as much like Wicklow Wolf, again, unless you're, you know, Local. And I thought this was a fantastic question. I mean, my follow-up question is also, and where's all your women's fit merch? But that's, you know, separate question, separate question. But <laughs> I, I, I thought this was a really interesting question. And I wonder if it's because the market tends to feel very domestic and it's not even kind of thinking people are coming from abroad to try beers. But, but at the same time, I feel like it is such a draw, like you'll see hotel bars and so on will have a lot of local beers on because people want to see it maybe in a way that you don't necessarily see in your local pub. So I don't, I don't know, Katie, I'll, I'll go to you first to see if you have any thoughts on this because we're like, we won't know, but maybe we can put some ideas out there into the universe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to this at all. And I'm trying to think of like um, other merch that I have bought abroad. Yeah. Has it always had the city name? I a lot of it does some of it doesn't like something big like Hofbrau House will have Bayern will have sure. Munich Munich you know yeah. on it and some of them are obvious like that yeah definitely. yeah but I'm like so for me Wicklow Wolf it's obvious that it's Wicklow but sure. for a tourist who doesn't know Ireland Wicklow is just Wicklow Wolf is the name of the brewery and it doesn't really say that mm -hmm. this is this is Irish it doesn't say Wicklow Wolf Ireland yeah on it. and it's like yeah, it's it's hard. How do they advertise it and 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 sell it? So, I 
again, I, I probably can't answer the question right, but I find it, I find that there is an interesting parallel as a non-American, but to American breweries or companies or just people in general who will identify with their state mm. more than the country. And yeah. so imagine now, so Lisa, I don't even actually know where you're from, to be honest. But like, is it Pennsylvania? So I'm from so many places. Yeah, I know you're from everywhere. But but if 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 somebody lived in I don't know Oregon, um, you'd almost hear Oregon and USA before that. And I wonder if we don't suffer from a little bit of the same thing. It's like that assumption that everybody knows the geography mm. and everybody knows the layout, um, and it's yeah, it's not it's not really catered towards being explorative and finding out more and finding out where things are, but it's a really good question and I'd love to see people naming it more and not just Dublin or not just Wicklow but Dublin Ireland Wicklow yeah. Ireland because it's it's so contextual isn't it yeah yeah but proudly brewed in Ireland or proudly brewed in Wicklow exactly. Ireland on a little logo or something mm. would be yeah yeah mm. and I could think I, I do even have uh, and this is from several years ago now um I have a t-shirt from the beer market so you know Galway Bay pub and it just says beer market it it doesn't say Dublin it doesn't you know which uh you know in retrospect again it's sort of assuming you know all of these things uh which is which is really interesting whereas if it had been you know something where it, if, it doesn't even have the Galway Bay branding on it it's just the beer market um I'm so, wondering you know, it's like if you know you know I guess but I'm wondering if this is so that like beer nerds can pick themselves out like can pick I out fellow beer nerds wonder. in a crowd and it's like oh I know what that logo means so therefore yeah that is and maybe that's it maybe it is that if you know you know and it's just like this shorthand or you know sort of nerding away and and then I think there are others where you know they're 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 so Irish you can't help but know but like the, the rascals mm -hmm. you know how they go all in on like the, the sort of father Ted theme branding the you know I hear you're a rascal now father like yeah it couldn't be anything else but even that like if you're slightly younger than us, that may not mean anything to you. So it's uh... even even I've watched probably most of Father Ted, but I watched it as a kid, and I don't pick up the references all the time. And um, yeah, but, and yeah. and I do actually find that not just here, but I do find it here quite a lot. But uh, marketing and targeting is like hyper local. It's yeah. not even countrywide. It's like yeah. just this town or village. <laughs> needs to know about this and that's really interesting to me and I don't know if it's an Irish thing specifically to be fair but obviously we're all here so we notice it um yeah and, and I think in some of... cases oh no absolutely I think in some cases mm. it totally makes sense but they do play it up so certainly like Valley Kilcavan really is like we are in County Leash we are you know mm -hmm. we are here but they're one of the few I can think of that really says you know this is where we are this is us and obviously there's there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but uh, but yeah, it's really really interesting to to unpack as a as a tourist and, and as someone who likes buying you know all my beer merch. It is nice mm. to be like I got that over there, and you know there's something to be said for it. And, and just on the merch, I'm going to take a little side note for a moment to say we have some merch now, guys. Check out our merch shop. Thank you, Tandy, for getting it to, to happen. But uh, <laughs> you will be seeing us taking pictures in our merch in the next. Uh, you know, a few days, weeks, months, and you may even see us at festivals in our merch over the coming days, weeks, months, because that is a thing that happens again now. So we, we do have some festival stuff coming up um, or in the backlog, depending on when you're listening to this. So again, just a little, little mm -hmm. aside there. So I'm sure we'll anyway. put our uh, merch shop there into the show notes. So I think that's we'll a great that. idea. Yeah. We'd love to see some of you out and about wearing Beer Ladies merch. That'd be so fun. We <laughs> would. We would. Okay, and actually, so, Tandy, have, have a question. Over to you. Right. Yeah. So this was one that came from Tori. She is Adventures in Optimism, which is one of my favorite um, usernames that I've ever seen in my whole life. But she is one half of the um, Women's Brew podcast with our friend Joanne, who yes. was on the podcast a little while Yay. ago. And speaking of sort of brewery names and things, she asks, are there any lesser known, more local breweries to you? that you want people to check out if they can? That so, is such a good question. I love this question because it is actually now about how local can you go? And yeah. I mean, I've got, well, I've got yeah. one or two on my list, but Katie, who do you nominate for breweries that people check out if they're here? 
breweries. I definitely have to say uh, Crew and Limerick. Have I stolen anyone's answer there? I oh, just they're so think good. You're so they stole one of mine, but yes, <laughs> totally worth it. Totally worth it. And like they don't distribute, as far as I'm aware. You can mm-hmm. only if you can get your crowlers there to take away but they brew lovely beers their their whole um the environment and the ambiance it just feels like such a welcoming place the staff are always so nice it's very dog friendly you know and they don't do food there but they have a deal with a local pizza shop and ah i just i can't wait to go back again big hearts Mm -hmm. for crew we love yeah definitely going there in a couple weeks so yay oh so much love for crew lisa any recommendations from you Oh, I feel like, you know, I, I, if I'm thinking really local, I'm definitely going to go for Hope because for me, they're Northside Dublin and they just do just consistently fantastic beer. Everything is just so good, so solid. There's not a bad beer in the bunch. And luckily we do get to see them on tap locally, uh, which again, I hope that continues to expand because, you know, cans are nice, but it's also lovely to have just fresh, you know, fresh pint. Uh, and that is really, really exciting. So when, uh, whenever I do eventually get people visiting, I don't know when that will be, but that will be my first, uh, first suggestion is let's go out to a pub where we can get some hope just brewed right up the road. Just so tasty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, good. So I'm going to add a couple in there, I think. So the first one is Connemara. So mm. we, we had Anya from Connemara on back in, I think, season one. And I was blown away by the story and by, by everything that Connemara has been doing. But genuinely the beer there's only two beers at the moment there is a lager and an ale but that lager oh so good oh my gosh so 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 good so those two like I'd recommend in an absolute heartbeat so I would love to see more people know a bit more about Connemara um the other is also heading towards the west coast but Meskin um Mm, Meskin being Ireland's only uh Belgian focused brewery and um, I think that they get it right a lot of the time. But what I appreciate is they're, they're very, very small and they experiment a lot. And they're trying to, you know, put a bit of an Irish twist on Belgian styles and make things happen. And actually, recently this week, I think they've done a, a collab with Wicklow Wolf. So I'd love to see how that comes out. Um, and that'll be really good. And there was one more, but I've probably forgotten now. It is what if it is. If it comes back to you, it comes back to you. you well, know? I'll throw in my other two that I think are okay. really important for people to know of if they're not if they're not local. Um, first of all, Belly Hill Cabin again, just because again, consistently fantastic beers. I love how they've tied it in just with you know the story of this farm being in the family for all these generations, and it is just really, really, really good beer. And I think then, kind of taking Meskin as as a as a, an inspiration, but going a little bit left field canvas as well, where they're doing everything effectively off the grid and just, you know, such a great story there too. Yes. Canvas and one more is wide street only because sort of mixed fermentation and a little bit of wild stuff excites me tremendously. So I'll give them absolutely a shout out. And I heard they announced a wild beer festival is going to be happening That's in right. Ireland. So, yeah, it's I'll be June. I'll, I'll be steering clear of that one, but I'm sure you'll enjoy it. <laughs> I will be there. I'll be first yeah. in line for everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, That's a great lovely question. question though. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Tori, for that question. And yeah, we might we might just go one after the other because um, sure. the, the second half of, <laughs> of 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 a women's brew also gave us a question. So thank you, Joanne. Um, what is your favorite nugget of beer history? And that, that one that felt designed for Lisa, a, to be fair. <laughs> such an interesting question, and I'm not even sure. Like, I feel like I have so many different ones, but I, I feel like I, you know, I, I start going through all of those things like. Um, you know, times when people have been killed by beer floods and, you know, things like that, which are, which are tragic and awful, but so, so interesting. And to think about the role of, of beer's kind of social history there, but, you know, the, those are the things that kind of come to mind, you know, sort of, sort of top of mind. But I, I think a lot of the stuff I get excited about, some of the, the kind of nerdy scientific stuff. So just thinking about like the work that happened at, you know, at the Carlsberg lab to figure out things, you know, like sort of pasteurization yeast, like all of these things that are, again, like very small, but so important and just, you know, taking up or, or should really take up 
just kind of so much um, real estate, if you like, from a historic perspective. So I'm just really fascinated by the whole story of kind of the discovery of yeast and how that how that worked out. But my one thing that I come back to again and again as just a weird bit of, of beer history is that, um, and this is going back to St. Louis where I grew up, so Tandy answering that question, it's a bad place, don't go there. But but uh, the, the Lemp Brewery, which again is, is haunted because of course it is, and it's been, it has not been a functioning brewery since Prohibition. Uh, so a very, very long time. But one of the owners, um, because he hated people, um, basically had a tunnel underneath uh, from his house to the brewery where he could just walk through. So he never had to meet other humans on his way to work. Um, but also he had a ballroom, a swimming pool, all of these things down in the caves that were originally used for lagering, but it were eventually for him to just uh, kind of be a misanthrope and not see people. But you know, you have to kind of respect that. So That's awesome. there's a lot of brewing <laughs> history like, like sort of wrapped up in that. But to me, I'm like, dude hated people. So he built a swimming pool and all these things, you know, basically underneath his brewery. And that is that if that's not living your best life, like, you know, what is? Mad, so. mad respect. That's cool. And ghosts, I, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I still learn every time we've done a podcast about Absolutely. history and archeo- like the archaeology of, of, of fi- finding things out that were directly linked to beer making is every time Lisa or, or um, Christina brings something up, I'm like, wow. This is crazy. <laughs> this is amazing. But, but yeah, no, there's so many things that we learn. But I mean, I think what, what really struck me now recently was in our industrialization episode a couple of weeks back, there are so many scientific standards today that came out of beer. And Absolutely. that's cool. That's really cool to yeah. me. So that's I'll, yeah. that's that's where I sit. And I think in that episode I mentioned about um the students' tea test. So mm-hmm. yeah. for anyone yeah. who has done statistics in university like me, um, William Seeley Gossett developed the student's tea test while he was working in Guinness, in the Guinness Brewery. And this yeah. is, this is a, you know, the standard in statistics when you're trying to compare something to something else is you do a tea test and you get your p-value and you work it out. And I just think it's it's fascinating that it was discovered it was developed by a brewer trying to figure out oh if I use grain from this farmer and grain from that farmer are they going to give me the same results and I just find it fascinating Mm -hmm. and and that yeah I think that goes back to my thing about yeast too and as you know so many of these things that are just part of everyday science that we don't even think about are you know come from beer and brewing and uh you know all good I don't Katie how how about you do you have a question uh at hand have a look well I asked a question on the Twitter myself because this was one Mm -hmm. that I didn't know the answer to (laughs) uh let me see oh yeah cold so I've seen some cold IPAs advertised lately and I know Lisa is drinking a cold BIPA black IPA (laughs) and I'm just like what exactly is a cold IPA is it someone just sticking an IPA label on something so that it'll sell better is it a real is a cold IPA a real style or is it like an IPL is it a you know I don't know it's it's a great question and it ties into a question I I had asked you know um you know someone just came up to me and they're like you know about beer um you know why is everything an IPA is that a real thing even and I'm like oh that is there's a lot to unpack there because you can say yes but you know, do we just append IPA to everything now? And I, I wrote a bit on that on my blog that that's uh, no one cared about, but maybe if we put it in the show notes, people will be like, hey, you were onto something there. But we'll, we'll circle back to the cold IPA first because I, I did, you know, again, I am, I am drinking this and it is a really, really nice beer. But I think your question about, you know, is it, is it kind of a relabeled Imperial Lager? Again, if, if that's even a thing, um, but I guess it is now. It's, it's interesting because it does have a very like clean, almost lagery finish, but it's still roasty and West Coasty, you know, which again, rhymes. I didn't mean to make it rhyme, but you did. You had uh, all that planned, Lisa. I know. Uh, but Tandy, you look like you want to say something because I've got notes. But okay. Yeah. Okay. The thing is, I might now be stepping on your notes, but here's what I've been able to glean because Katie 
when you asked that question, I didn't know what that was. And I was like, I've never heard of this. Why don't I know about this? I feel so left out. <laughs> but, but then again, then again, I should literally be last in line for any new IPAs because I get so annoyed with all the IPA varieties because they're dumb. Anyway, right. <laughs> so this, this is one of How them. How do you really feel? Might, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is one of them that I, I'm going to probably feel is dumb, but I haven't tried one yet, so I'll be open-minded. Um, as, as far as I know, right, the cold IPA uses a uh, lager yeast, but at warmer temperatures. Okay, right. So, so it's using that that brady yeast, that clean yeast that a lager uses, is used in lagers to highlight the characters of the grains and the hops. So, the idea behind the cold IPA is to use that yeast so that you can really get, quote unquote, the full power of the hops in the beer unquote but Which, i'm gonna say if it's a lager yeast right i get that but if it's still brewed at a warm temperature how is it a cold ipa <laughs> if you're Here just listening are. you guys tandy is making amazing <laughs> hand gestures it is you i'm know. gesticulating out of pure frustration because guys i'm i'm, I'm all on board for people creating new styles. Like, I think it's amazing and that we should always evolve and, and there's always going to be like new taxonomies and things that evolve. But this just seems like a, this seems like a very, very weak distinction for me. Because, the, so the distinction apparently is between an IPL, so an Imperial Pale Lager, which is all the ingredients of, a, of, of an IPA except a lager yeast and at lager temperatures. Now we've got cold IPA, which is all the ingredients of an IPA except that the lager yeast is fermented warmer. Come on, <laughs> come on. Did it really it's need that, its own name? I don't know. Did it, exactly, did it And a misleading name? name? Uh, it's confusing. You see now, oh, opinions, but this, this smacks to me of, and I think that this was actually developed in the Pacific Northwest. Specifically. Yeah, Oregon originally, yeah. we'll link to it in the it show was, notes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it smacks to me of needing something new as opposed to something that is actually distinct that we want to name. Um, so, but again, I'm going to try and remain open-minded and try and actually taste one. But the idea behind it is that then because of the lager yeast, it's going to showcase the hop character and the malt character in a cleaner way than what um, an ale yeast would do. But because you're fermenting a lager yeast at warmer temperatures, I don't see how there's not going to be some kind of flavors imparted by the I don't know maybe I'm wrong it's definitely very clean this one in particular yeah. uh the, the lineman one like it, like I would absolutely say clean in the way you would think of with with a lot of loggers um but very hoppy but but it's also funny because I had the other day the uh whiplash true love weights which is a dry hopped pilsner that was very hoppy but also had like a very you know pilsner character so I really enjoyed it but it was it was yeah there are they playing in the same muchness in some, in some place? Yeah. Mm. And, and again, and, and I know we were talking before we started about, you know, you know, brute IPA that happened for a hot second and then seemed to, you know, disappear completely. So mm. I don't know, maybe, maybe that should be a challenge to our listeners to say, you know, folks, is there an adjective you want to put before IPA and just see what happens? And, you know, <laughs> go you for know it. Would be a fun, you know, it would be a fun game. It's like, Pick an adjective, make a bingo card, and let's actually see which ones have been done. Oh, I like that. I like that. Okay, so yeah, so folks, you know, gauntlet is thrown. You know, go out there and, and make the craziest blank IPA you can. Uh -huh. IPA bingo game has begun, and we'll do it Squid Game style. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, so Tandy, over to you. Another question. What what you got? Right, What's in the hopper, so, as it so, were? So okay, so that's 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 an interesting one. So ah, right, from the lads at Snugcast. We love you, lads. We love you too. Yeah, all the things. And actually, they they asked um, separately before I asked this. They asked about um, after our judging episode that went live. Uh, it's now a week ago. So um, they asked how it went. It went very well. I was up in uh, Dundalk. I've never been there before. 
Yeah. And it was a it's a lovely town. Like it's very pretty. Um and there was it was a bit of a small brewing competition and it was about 25 beers. Um so we had three or four tables like amongst us. My beers that I judged alongside a more experienced judge were the fruits, the wheats and the sours. And that was really good for me, like good practice. And of the five beers judged, not one of them was the same style. So that was really oh, interesting. interesting. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to having five or six of the same vit or the same IPA. So I was very happy with the table that I was placed at. We had a great time judging. Um, I learned, well, I used all that I'd learned during the judging exam and stuff. And I'm still... <clears throat> waiting for my exam <laughs> results but we'll get there but anyway just to the lads of snugcast it went really really well thank you for asking um but their question actually is why are some styles far more palatable when you begin your craft beer journey in you know quotes um, and why do others supersede them as you progress it is such, such a good question, a good question. <laughs> exactly such a good absolutely. question absolutely absolutely and you've got lots to say I've got, I've got opinions here. Yeah. And I'll have to, I'll have to link my, one of my more popular sort of uh, perennial blog posts in the, or perennially popular blog posts in the, in the show notes, because I do think there is this cycle where, mm. you know, you start off with like, oh, everything is new and amazing. Oh my God. I want to try all the things, but you know, you, you may dip your toe in and, but then, then you want nothing but variety, but then you're like, ah, oh, everything is uh, too much of the muchness. And then kind of back into, no, I want these three or four things that I really love. And they are often, I find, and again, this is subjective, of course, but the ones that you kind of started off with, you know, kind of at the top of the, the cycle. So for me, I, I know when I first started getting into to craft beer a very long time ago now, because I'm, I'm an old, but, uh, you know, I, I really, really liked like, um, you know, like Vit beers, we were very approachable, you know, and again, tended to be kind of low key. I loved a good brown ale. I loved a good mild IPAs. I thought were very bitter at that point because, you know, you're just not exposed to them. And, and again, there's been a whole separate discussion on beer Twitter, which like are IPAs less bitter now? Maybe, maybe not. You know, it's again, what is, what is an IPA? It's all, or have we gotten used to them? <laughs> right. Exactly. All, yeah. all up for grabs at this point, but it's, it's interesting. And I was going back and looking through some old books too. Um, you know, again, talking about like how bitter these IPAs were and, they weren't that bitter back in like the 1990s, early 2000s. Like there's this arms race that's happening in kind of the, the mid 2000s where everything is suddenly like trying to have the most IBUs. And it's it's all kind of very blokey and weird. And mm, yeah, but that said, like, I feel like I got really into, you know, those West Coast IPAs after having kind of things that tended to be a little sweeter, a little softer. Um, and again, thinking like mouthfeel specifically as a, as a thing but you know when I do get you know bored with with variety I I always come back to you know a great brown ale a great mild and I, I do think there is something in then you know that you've kind of um you know imprinted on some of those styles but I, I don't know Katie you're, you're nodding along I think you may have oh I agree I agree I think I started off like graduating from macros onto like uh hefeweizen and yeah. and helles and thinking these are just so 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 much tastier in my opinion and then i got into ipas and i loved i love yeah higher the ibu the better this would have been yeah <laughs> late 90s as well <laughs> i'm an old also lisa <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's like sometimes you just look at the selection in 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 a store and you're like Oh, I'm just gonna go now and get some nice half of ice and sit down and relax. <laughs> and is it because is it I'm I'm getting older and I just like uh, familiar things in my in my old age and my dotage. <laughs> and then you know every now and again a, a something will will take on me and, and and I'll be like oh I'm gonna order all the, all the styles and try them all. Um, and I do think that your palate um, emerges as you as you yeah. get older and you can see this. Uh, we all have children. You can see that. They'll start off eating one thing and then a year later they'll be like, oh no, I don't like that anymore. I like mm -hmm. this. And I do think your palate does change as, as mm -hmm. you get older and you try Absolutely. you try new foods and, and that influences also what what type of um beverages mm -hmm. you like and what type of beers you like. So mm -hmm. I think you grow, your palate grows, maybe. You know, you know, it's beer. interesting because because as as both of you said, you know, 
I think that there is something a little bit cyclical about the journey you go on. And if you started out with macro lagers, the, the next step might be something like a pale ale or a Hefeweizen or mm -hmm. maybe a sour, you know, like maybe it's something completely different to what you're used to, right? Yeah. And, and, and that oppositeness and that flavor intensity is a thing that you were probably craving. And then you start seeing that that intensity can be matched with a lot of different styles. So for me, then what happens is that you've got a lot of styles in, in beer that are high intensity. So a stout is high intensity. It's high in chocolate and coffee. You've got sours, which are high intensity because they're tart and they're fruity and they're acidic. You've got, you know, high intensity sweet beers, whether it's a milkshake IPA or whether it's a bit of a Hefeweizen can be quite sweet. Like you get all these like, oh, so many flavors, like so much going on. And then maybe what happens that you go all the way up the ramp and you're like, okay, let's go high intensity, high bitterness, high sweetness, high spice, you know, go right into the Belgians because that is so different to what you will have started. And then you plateau and you're like, okay, I don't need high intensity all the time. Yeah. So sometimes I want a lager. <laughs> and so then we've come full circle. So it's like, and it doesn't matter whether it's a macro lager or whether it's a micro lager. It'd just be like, that's the kind of flavor that you're looking for. So I think I think it does happen. And I've run a number of beer tasting sessions with corporate events or with people at work or whatever the case is. And what I find is that people who um, people who know macro lagers tend to go for things like pale ales or IPAs. Mm. Right now, juicy IPAs as opposed to bitter IPAs. So people like those fruity, fruity, juicy notes. Um, or as I did one last week, people like the sour, like, because it was so unexpected and so different, yeah. but that is, it's quite intense compared to a lager or even compared to something like a Guinness, which is a stout, but it's a very easygoing, very palatable dry stout. So I think that it is a thing um, that you go through a journey um, of flavors, but I think it's based on intensity, my opinion, and then it comes back around. And sometimes you want milder, slightly easier going things at the end of it yeah and, and it can be mix seasonal after too. that yeah yes absolutely yes absolutely and and I'll, I'll tag on a related question too so from at stouthearted mm -hmm. so hello karen yay thank mm -hmm. you uh she says is there a genetic predisposition to like or dislike strong hoppy flavors just like there is for the taste of cilantro and mm -hmm. i would say my my wildly uneducated bit of searching around seems to be yes but it's not quite as one-to-one -one, but but absolutely like people who are super tasters for one thing or another bitter tends to be one of the things that they either go in for or do not go in for but i i do wonder if there are different i don't know sort of gradations if you like in terms of different hop styles now because now we have a lot of those hops that are not necessarily bitter even though they may be bittering hops in in you know in, in brewing terms but and you can get so many different flavors now. I wonder if that makes a difference or if there are people who are just like, I don't like hoppy things. Like, what, what do they mean when they say that? So now, I don't know if this is a genetic disposition, but the other thing that I think is really interesting is that, like, when you're a child, you don't like bitter things. So no. you wouldn't, you don't typically like grapefruit or lemon or, you know, like, these are not flavors that you crave. But the older you get, the more tolerant you are to bitter flavors. So grapefruit and lemony flavored things are like much more appealing to you. It's the reason why you don't start your drinking career on gin, because it's just, it's, <laughs> it's too much, man. It's one of those things that, at least in my opinion, but I don't know the science, but like it grows. And bitterness is supposed to be, a, I think, supposed to be evolutionary wise or genetic wise. It's supposed to be an indicate like an indication of poison, but we have as humans like overcome <laughs> a lot of that like distaste for bitterness and now we really enjoy it but it's generally an older person thing as opposed to younger so i'd love to say that maybe when you're younger you tend to go for lagers because they're slightly sweeter there or at least more balanced they're not super bitter then you might go to a pilsner slightly more bitter then you might go somewhere else but like you might grow in your bitterness um sort of appetite but very interesting yeah yeah and mm. i think it's very hard for some uh a, a young person going from like blue wicked to 
Do you, do you know what that is? Yeah. Is no? it, it's like, isn't that like a, like a, um, alcohol pop? Yes. The, that's yeah. the word I was looking for. Exactly. And it's Can you imagine, and like sweet and awful. It's yeah. like a horrible yeah. blue. And you're like, anything that is that color cannot be good for you. Can't it, be good for you. No. <laughs> no. But, but as you get older, you also, you start to generally dislike this, the overly sweet things. Yeah. Like sweetness is still good, but not, not, Mm, I don't know, not that sort of thing. Yeah, I know exactly what yeah. you mean. Yeah, it's like white pastry stouts are not for me. That's okay. Other people can mm. like them, but yeah, not not for me. You know, a little bit maybe from time to time, but uh, yeah. And it's mm. like I didn't even like the taste of coffee until I was about twenty five or twenty six. I still yeah. don't like coffee, but you know, which is weird. I love tea. I love a really bitter IPA, but yeah, weird. Weird. Yeah. Weird. So yeah, the whole taste bud thing's weird yeah <laughs> okay strange. have we have we time for we've one got, more or what I, we do? I think we've got a couple more yeah let, let's we've get got a couple, couple more. more yeah so we've got our friend dave at beer in front podcast so dave asks what is the one style that never caught on that you wish had and his um answer well he he acknowledges it could be regional but he says that in america he wished the mild ale um had caught on more and it hasn't so hey dave Basically, we all agree, but let's go yes. on. Team mild. Mm. I have to say, in Ireland, I find that there is a lack of wheat beers. Truth. And that is a style I would love to see Big more truth. Irish breweries doing more wheat beers because I love them. I know Whiplash did a range last year and I think I must have ordered mm. and ordered and ordered. And <laughs> I absolutely love them. Um, you do get uh, some, I'm trying to think now, which breweries do. So Rascals have a, do they have a white? They've got a white IPA. Oh, white IPA. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Hope, just... Hope has a wheat beer. Hope has grunt. That's a, that's a nice one. Yeah. But yeah, there's not that many. It's yeah. not that many. And there's I not find, that many. yeah. And I think that is very, um, was it Dave had said that it could be mm -hmm. uh, geographical because I find yeah. in the US there are lots of wheat beers. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, if you go into like a brew pub or a brewery, they will, you'll have your styles and wheat will be. A, a style that's always there just like an IPA or a or a stout mm. yeah absolutely and, and and I'm immediately like but you have mild in the U.S. but I'm thinking of you know I've got my blinkers on I'm like I know you can get great mild in Philadelphia so Yards Brawler wonderful and in Seattle with uh, Machine House uh, Dark Mild but I'm completely far apart everything <laughs> in the middle and I I understand that I'm doing that but I'm like but I had it the places I lived, so it's fine. But uh, but yes, of course, uh, team mild for me. But the other one that I I we just don't have much, if any, of uh, in Ireland is bitter, any kind, best bitter, extra special bitter. There was the Loch Gill had one for their birthday, mm -hmm. wonderful beer, five candles, and if oh my gosh, if we could just have a cast bitter, folks, I would be very 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 happy. I don't care who has it on, but someone make us mm -hmm. a cask bitter. That is something we just don't have um and, and i can understand there's lots of probably complicated reasons for that but someone cast bitter please what you about know, you tandy um, yeah you you know what because i've got i've got the experience now being south africa and ireland right and in south africa the way the craft brewers started was that they had this like core range of the same five beers and it was basically something like a wheat beer, so like a vice or a bit, yeah. something like a red beer, so either an amber ale or a red ale, it might have gone that way. Then there'd be generally a pale ale, an IPA, and a stout. And then the the bigger or the, the guys who were playing around more might have lagers or pilsners alongside and all the things. So I feel like when I moved here, all the breweries had like 15 different IPAs and pale ales. Right but nothing of anything else and I was like what like I just want to taste your version of a vice or your version of a red ale and um, so so actually like absolutely team mild absolutely team brown ale but wheat beers 100% I'm all in for those and um, red ales as well I think that they're tragically underappreciated um, and whether they are more in the lines of amber ales so slightly hoppier or more in the mild like in the line of drier Irish style redos, I think they're so underdone. I'd love to see more. Um, yeah, and also actually bitters, Lisa. I love bitters. Yeah. Um, 
they're they're great they're they're super great so yep all for those all for those yeah and it's strange because like our neighbors across the irish sea are have bitters everywhere it's a, it's a yeah. staple I, you know and it's like i always what? think it's because of that i actually yeah. think it's because of the the inherent mm, historical yeah. feudness of it that nobody wants to acknowledge those are great beer styles they are great beer styles yeah and there used to be a lot of irish bitters if you look at historical ads and, and things like that and other people out there doing great work to say hey these these existed but they're mm. they vanished so Mm. absolutely so i think i have i have another one here and i don't know if we have time for one after this but there are multiple questions in this one so this is from at mad scientist with a, a 13 in the middle for uh is uh, a lot of different questions here so we'll see how many we get through but mm-hmm. favorite drinking game favorite drinking song and personal guidelines for getting in the rounds without getting utterly banjaxed so <laughs> important Pro tip. So, Katie, you 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 want to lead off? Or you? I am like drink water, drink water, have water there, all the time. Mm. Even if you're not uh, actively drinking on it, sip on it. Just water, water works. It's such a great a smart, idea. Such a smart point. Yeah. If you can alternate pint of water, you know, all all good. And I think now that we have more non-alcoholic options, you're like, if you want to alternate, get in a Guinness Zero, you know, in there. But my my pro tip for like going to a festival or things like that is breakfast sandwich before you go. doesn't matter what time of day you go, but having that, you know, the bacon, the eggs, ideally the avocado too, if you can get it, that, that mix of carbs and fat and protein that will, that will help set you up and, you know, keep you going. But water is key. Absolutely. Okay. You guys are way too good and way too boring. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, so I had a tip from a friend recently and actually I think it works pretty well. She reckons, and she drinks a lot, uh, hi Z, if you ever listen, but she reckons that if you take some activated charcoal before you go to bed, um, don't take painkillers or anything, just take activated charcoal. It's supposed to kind of absorb all the, all the gunk and then pass it through you. You will wake up with, let's say, less of a hangover. Not Interesting. You're not completely free, but I've tried it a few times. And for one, it takes a little bit of, effort to remember to do it but it's less effort than it is to remember to drink water along the way so so i'll go with that one and if not the activated charcoal at at the least take two panado or panadol before you go to bed because you will thank yourself thank your past self in the morning especially if you have to get up for work right (laughs) yes okay Yeah. So drinking games, I'm not a big mm. fan of drinking games in I, general. I, I think suppose. I'm too old. Yeah, I think yeah. that's my problem. But if mm. I had to say a drinking game, it has to be Eurovision based. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Agreed. I'm sorry. I'm there. It's like uh, back in the Terry Wogan days, like he came out with some great phrases every single um, time he commentated on the Eurovision and it was like clockwork. Okay, there you go. Finger beer, finger beer. But yeah, overall, I'm not a fan of drinking games because it makes me drink at other people's paces. And sometimes I just want to drink at my own pace. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair. So um, my brother-in-law, Ryan, does this drinking game called Give or Take. And I don't know all the rules. And I asked my sister earlier to like send me all the rules, but I, she didn't. So anyway, it's really fun. But if you're not into drinking games, then you're never going to be into any of them. And that's okay, too. I love drinking games. I love playing kings. I love anything with cards. I love anything with names or memory or like things like like I love playing it. But to be fair, I wouldn't be drinking like an imperial start while playing a drinking game. It would always be it would always be, you know, like macro lagers all the way. Um, But no, I love drinking games. And this one, give or take, is it's using a pack of cards. I can't remember all the rules, but it's got to do with um, whether it's black or red. And then it's whether it's, you know, something like you've always got two choices and you're always betting with the dealer, I think. But it's, oh, re- it's okay. really fun. It's really fun. I'll, I'll find a link um, to it and, I'll, and I'll, I'll let it in below. Yeah. Excellent. And then drinking song. I, I have two and they're both a little weird in different ways. So my, my first one is a drinking song by the Divine Comedy. So that's back from, you know, early 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 divine comedy it's off either the first or second album um i'm a bad fan i should just know that off the top of my head but uh but just a a fun song but my my other 
favorite drinking song, and this is, I'm sorry, this is very, very nerdy, is, is, um, and I know you, you, you laugh now, but it gets worse. So it's, it's drinking song or drink, drink, drink from the student prince, the, the uh, Sigmund Rongberg operetta from the 1920s, which I'm sure we all love and are all very familiar with. But, uh, and I know you guys, if you're just listening, Tandy's making the best faces, like what is wrong with you, you freak. But, uh, <laughs> It is a so great cultured. It is a great song. Operetta is not cultured. This is the thing. Like people have to get over that idea. It's it's very cheesy and but it is it is a fun song. It is just sort of students drinking. Um, it was a hit for Mario Lanza in the 1950s. So again, I'm sure we're all you know very au fait with with that. Um, but it is a great song. I do encourage people to look it up. There are good modern recordings. You don't have to you know listen to one of the old ones. It's a lot of fun. Um, and again, opera can be fun and not just weird and, you know, for rich people. It's not like that. But it's a great song about drinking. So that's awesome. Katie, do you have you? any yeah, favorite drinking songs? It has to be I'm Prose It. I'm Prose It. Ah, Kite, which you very all good. sing along with the Oompa bands um, at Oktoberfest, you know? It's a great one. And I don't know that I know many drinking songs mm. outside of that to be honest you know and I feel like we're meant to go through the you know the huge list of Irish drinking songs but I don't know enough of them I feel like I had like a Clancy Brothers album in the 80s or something but it's you know, <laughs> a long time ago I also like I, I can't think off the top head of any particular drinking songs unless they were attached to like sport <laughs> or attached mm. to like board games or attached to like something else in which case it doesn't make them drinking song it makes them a song that was for fines or for you know like just like ways to get people well maybe they were drinking songs i don't know but no that's it um there is there is one last question um but that's i think the end of it after this one but yeah um, it was my sister nolani who asked on instagram and the <coughs> question came out a little bit butchered initially but i think the gist of it is there are so many beers out there how on earth is it possible that there are so many beers and how do we keep up and how do we like what is the point <laughs> and, <laughs> why and, and beer for, yeah. why beer and and for context my sister doesn't like beer so um so i think she just sees like loads and loads of different breweries and loads of different cans and why if some brewery makes an ipa would another brewery also make an ipa so mm. like yeah, so, uh, you, know, you know, for a person who's new to the world of, how on earth do you navigate the massive, massive variety of beer on the market? Well, I have to say variety is good. Experimentation is good because you don't know what you haven't discovered yet. So keep going. Mm. Okay, we might draw the line at cold IPAs and, and <laughs> things like that. But, but, you know, if people don't try new things, then we're not going to have Mm. more new amazing beer styles in the future and then I suppose different breweries are doing different things like you were talking about Meskin doing uh, Belgian with an Irish influence and then you have mm. the likes of Whiplash that have their core range is tiny but they keep whip they they keep you know churning out amazing different types of beer and then you have you know the breweries that will supply the supermarkets and will have very very good core ranges and might come up with a seasonal every now and again and they all are slightly aimed I think at slightly different core markets but there is a lot of overlap so yeah and I think that's a, that's a really good point Katie is because I feel like sometimes I'm like I just try whatever x brewery makes because everything I've tried from them is good but other times I'm like oh I just want this style I just want to find a brown ale or you know whatever but I think again unless you try a lot of different things you won't know what you yeah. do like and don't like it it can seem really daunting when there's this like you say this huge variety out there and, and if let's say 80 percent of them are like and i'm this ipa and i'm that ipa like that can i, I think can be a little off-putting and you know intimidating to people who don't know what they already yeah. like so that's i think a really important point is how can you as a brand maybe differentiate say you know we do these and this is what they are versus ah you know sort of a hype you know, jumping on kind of a hype train and, um, which has its place, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't, but it's, it can be a lot for someone who's new to, to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, the scientific answer is that beer is made from primarily four ingredients, but 
the amount of varieties of hops and the amount of varieties of malts and the amount of varieties of the yeast that are out there means that the combinations in beer are absolutely endless. And an IPA from one brewery is not the same as an IPA from another. Even yeah. a New England IPA with the same hops are not the same as a New England IPA with the same hops from another brewery. So the half the fun is in discovering the exact right calibration or or like a combination of things that comes from a specific brewery because there are so many ways to combine the ingredients and i think that's why we are that's why we're effectively allowed such a huge variety um because they're all actually quite different and it's like bread or cheese like mm. bread is as very basic ingredients but they're so the bread breads are so different and so tasty all of them here, are tasty here. you know and cheese cheese is yes. the same thing basically but you can mm -hmm. have a different slant on it and you can have so many different types of cheeses you know yep. it's and two different supermarkets brie is not the same thing so no. absolutely absolutely same great thing great questions yeah yeah so i think we'll we'll leave it there but but thank you katie and tandy and i would say thank you to all of our listeners for these questions we really really appreciate them i think they're really interesting and there's, there's so much more we could discuss so hopefully maybe mm. we'll see some of you at an upcoming festival and we can you know get into deep cuts on some of these questions but until then thank you for listening continue to like subscribe share we are at Beer Ladies Podcast on Facebook. We are at Beer Ladies Pod on Twitter, Instagram. And again, we mentioned before, we've got merch now. So we, we, we've got the shop. We'll, we'll link it in the show notes and we're always mentioning it on the Twitters. So we'd love to see some of you guys out there in our merch. You'll see us because of course you will. But until then, thank you all. And we will see you next week. Until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.